Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you this morning. I'm here to pump you up, okay? That's Tony said. That's, you guys are excited about Bob for God, right? Come on. Uh, okay. Now, I know there's a little hesitancy here. It's just it's a little hesitant, but I will tell you. I will tell you that I had somebody tell me this morning that over the last two weeks they've lost 12 pounds. How about that? That's pretty good. So they're excited. I can applaud that. Then I had somebody else tell me, they said, well, you know, I was going to go to Portello's and I went there and I was going to have a hamburger, but, I, you know, you kept talking. I kept hearing your voice and I couldn't have my hamburger, so I had a salad instead. And I couldn't tell whether they were going to celebrate that or not. But anyway, <laughs> they said, maybe they missed their hamburger. Well, anyway, we are so glad that you're here today as we are in the third week of this series, Bod for God. And uh, I, I, before we get started today, we, we're going to need God's help today, uh, which we do every week, of course. But would you bow your hearts? Would you pray with me as we begin? Father, we do thank you for the gift of our bodies. And we pray that we'd understand this gift that you give us is to be used for your service. And we pray that through the power of the Spirit, the that we would have this encounter with your love and your grace today that would transform us and rearrange our thinking and help and motivate and inspire us to give our lives to you, all of us to you. Father, may our, may our thoughts and words this morning be pleasing. And Father, may they be transformative. May you speak to us in a way that changes our lives this morning, that we can give ourselves to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Well, so far, just to kind of give you a little bit of review, week number one, we learned this very important idea about dedication, that we are to dedicate our bodies to God. And we looked at a passage in Romans, Romans 12, 1, say those words with me, I am a living sacrifice. That's what we want to proclaim, that we are living sacrifices, that we're all in for God, everything, including this, this physical body, which God uses in ministry. Uh, last week, we heard from Pastor Dave McGinley, and he said, he said we needed to be inspired. And the way we're inspired, we looked at that Hebrews 12, 1 passage, and that is to fix our eyes on Jesus. So let's read that together. Fix my eyes on Jesus, because he is our example. We are to look, live, and love like he does. And so we want to focus on him as our example in all things. And he gave his entire life and his body certainly sacrificed on a cross for us. And so that we are to be living sacrifices inspired by Jesus' example. And we want to talk this week about eating and exercise. Now that's a pretty hard shift. Let me tell you something. The Bible doesn't tell you, it doesn't give you a diet plan. It doesn't say, like, do Weight Watchers or, or uh, you know, that kind of thing. You, you, you just can't find that kind of information there. It doesn't have a workout plan. Like, there's no mention of P90X in there, right? You guys know P90X? You guys ever heard that? Okay, it's an exercise program. I might be able to make a case. I might be able to make a case for CrossFit, if you ever heard of that, all right? Okay, think about that, right? Because we are to be CrossFit. We are to be shaped by the cross. Well, so what can we draw from Scripture today to help us with this question of what do we do in terms of eating and exercise. Well, while the Bible doesn't tell us specifically a diet plan, certainly doesn't do that. It, it doesn't tell you an exercise plan. It does help you with how we make decisions. And the first and most important aspect of decision making for the Christian is we have to understand this point, that we were created for freedom. 
Paul writes this to the church in Galatia. For you have been called to live in, say that word with me, freedom, brothers and sisters. We live in freedom. Freedom from what? I mean, we live in a free country, right? We have decision. We can make decisions. We live within a certain boundaries, but we consider ourselves to be in a free country. What are we talking about here? What's Paul talking about? He's talking about the law. He's talking about the, the religious law of that day. And he's saying, look, you don't have to be under that law anymore. You know, you know what religious law is about. It's the thing, that yardstick that they put next to you to make sure you're good enough. When you, when you look at world religions, they, this is what they all do. True biblical Christianity allows us to live in freedom. But world religions and even some Christian religions... They have this measuring stick, and you have, to be, you have to achieve certain level to impress God. To have a relationship with God, that yardstick goes right beside you. There's a, there's a law mentality, and you're under the law. And Paul says, no, you're free. If you follow Christ, you're free. Let me give you an example of why this is so important, even especially maybe when it comes to diet and eating and exercise. How many of you guys know what this means? 26.2. Okay, what is that? Marathon. How many of you have actually run a marathon? Anybody? Okay, we've got a couple. Great. We had a few last night as well. That's just amazing to me. 26.2 miles. Are you kidding me? How in the world could anyone ever do that? It must have taken an incredible amount of discipline and dedication to be able to run 26.2 miles. Now, you know, I don't know. How about this one? What's this one mean? Half a marathon, right? Anybody half marathon in here? Got, got one back there? All right. I think we should applaud the people that have actually done that. That's pretty amazing stuff. Now, where do you see these stickers? <laughs> On the back of the car. How does it make you feel when you see them? <laughs> yeah, when I see them, it's immediately, what am I doing? I'm comparing myself to, to the person in, that's supposed to, well, they were supposed to have run it if they're driving the car, right? And so you back behind the car, you go, oh, boy, I'm not ever going to be able to do that. And what are you doing in that moment? You're putting yourself under the law. You're saying, look, I don't measure up. And that's not, what, that's not what this series is about, reaching some sort of level of performance or anything like that. It's about giving our bodies for God. By the way, the, the most popular sticker for the back of the cars is this one. <laughs> Zero point zero. Now that one I can put on my car, no problem. But there's a pushback, a little bit of pushback here. And the pushback is in, look, you know, I, I'm not going to live up to that, so I'm just going to kind of make fun of it. I'm, not, I'm just going to not participate. I'm going to put a 0.0, on my car. The reality is, all of us are 0.0. When it comes to the law, we can't keep God's law perfectly. We've all fallen short. This is the sticker that would be appropriate for all of us. But we have something better. We have been set free. We can live in freedom because Christ... Christ has made up the difference. He has corrected our problem of sin. He has kept the law for us perfectly. And so really, really, we're all seen as marathoners by God. It's an amazing gift. The freedom that we have in Christ because what he did for us, we are not being measured or judged. We don't have to feel guilt or shame or any area of our life. It's a powerful, powerful principle that changes or should change our hearts once we get a hold of it. It changes the way we live. So the first thing I want you to realize is this morning that we live in freedom. 
We live in freedom from the law. God's requirements in Scripture. And they're there, and, and they're great guidelines for our lives, but it's not the way that we establish the relationship with God. We don't, we don't perform for Him or have to reach certain levels or anything like that. We are given that gift as a free gift. He bought us. He paid the price for us through Jesus Christ. Now, that's a gift, and, I, and it's such an important concept, such an important idea, that I want you to see it from one other way quickly. Uh, this is a picture of my girlfriend and I in, in the teenage years. You can guess the 70s, right? Big hair, big bell bottoms. You know, got the van. This is the band van. I hauled equipment in this, and we were on our way to a job. This is, this is by the way, that's my wife, Susan. We, we were dating then. And we went to this job, which is a few, well, it was like five hours away. Went through a small Missouri town. I got my first speeding ticket by the local sheriff. It's just right out of a movie, you know. You know and, and I'm sure, I don't know why he would stop a minivan with the guy driving that looked like this. And I don't know what he thought maybe was going on in the van. But he, anyway, he pulled us over and he stopped us and I got a ticket. Now, here's the problem. They didn't let you, in those days, go pay your ticket by mail. They wanted you to come back for a court appearance in front of the judge. And it was like three hours away from my house. It's like, oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to ever fit that in with everything i got to do. Plus, I had no money. I'm as broke, college student, rock and roll bass player. All right? I had no money. And so we, we thought about it, and my girlfriend at the time, looked at me lovingly, and she said, I will pay your ticket. I will pay your ticket. And she took money out of her savings account to do that, and she paid my ticket. Imagine that loving thing that she did. It's like, that's why I married her. (laughs) (laughs) She, She saved me. I envisioned myself in jail someplace. But she paid my ticket. Now, I want you to understand what that means when somebody pays your ticket when you have no ability to do it. Because that's what Jesus did for you. He paid your past tickets and your tickets right now and all the tickets in the future that you might get. Every time you transgress God's law, he's already paid that ticket and he has set you free. You do not have to worry about that guilt and condemnation. It is a gift from God. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1. What an amazing gift. We don't have to go in front of the judge. He's already done it for us. And he's declared us not guilty because of what Christ did for us. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done for us. Now, we have that. And that's our starting point. And that helps us know that we are loved, forgiven, adopted, redeemed children of God. This is who we are. And since, since we have that, look what Paul says, because he finishes his statement, and then he tells you about your freedom and what we're to do with it. He says this, he says, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. You catch that? You've got freedom, you're not judged in terms of when you uh, make a mistake or don't uh, break God's law, but don't use your freedom to go serve yourself and your sinful nature. But instead, he says, use your freedom to serve one another in love. See, God has this idea that as we have been set free from the power of sin, we know that 
that perfect love that he has for us, it drives out our fear. We're free now to go and say, I want to serve. I want to be all in. I'm going to be all in with my body, with my life, everything that I can serve others in love so that they might know that freedom that we have. And not only that, you know, God has actually, he's prepared, he's prepared in advance those good works for us to do passage from Ephesians, one of my favorites, where his workmanship were specially constructed in a certain kind of way, were his masterpiece. And were his masterpiece for a purpose, were for good works, were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do, so that we can walk in them. So that we can walk in them. It's like not sit, in the, sit on the couch in them. <laughs> it's walk in them. It's get off the couch, get active, be involved in them, live in them, day to day to day. And that takes, uh, a lot of times it takes physical effort, energy, it takes our bodies being available for use, his use, so that we can fulfill his purpose. And so this point about our freedom is simply that it encourages us to walk in good works. It encourages us to do that. We're not under the law. We don't have to worry if we fail at some point. And, you know, a lot of times with diet and exercise, that's the killer, isn't it? It's the thing that stops us because we'll start something and then we'll, uh, I, I didn't follow through. And then we won't go ahead and go back to it. So we need to remember our freedom and the power that that freedom that we have been set free to serve other people brings into our lives. Now, Paul writes about this over and over again. I just want to show you one other aspect of this issue of freedom. And he writes this to the church in Corinth. He says, they are saying, the people in Corinth are saying that we can do anything. And, and so Paul writes, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. And that is true as a Christian. You're allowed to do anything because you're what? You're a forgiven, loved child of God. And, and even if you mess up, even if you go out and do horrible things, God can still forgive you for that. This is just mind-blowing to me. It absolutely changes the way I, I perceive God because now I understand just how the magnitude of that love. And then he, then he, but he says, not everything is good for you. Well, duh. And we know that, don't we? We know that not everything is good for us. And he goes on to say this. He says, and even though I'm allowed to do anything, and we are allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. In other words, when we become a slave, we're captured by it. We're controlled by it. And we don't want to be captured or controlled by anything but Christ. So we're allowed to do anything, but not everything's good for us because we have to be very careful that things don't capture and control us. I have told you the story before that I, have a middle, I had a middle brother who died in his 50s of alcoholism. That is a perfect example in my mind as to why we don't want to be captured or controlled by something. He, he drank himself to death. It's waste of a life. It, it's, it's not being available to do the good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. And it was, it was totally preventable. And that's where we are when it comes to eating and exercise. We don't want to be captured or controlled by our diet. We don't want to be captured and controlled by this idea that we just want to be, you know, like the couch, the dangerous couch. I have one of these couches in my house. It's very dangerous. It can control me. It's so easy. 
Once I get on it, it just like, it has a magnetic power on my body. <laughs> you got one of those? I said, what do they put in those couches to do that? I don't know. Let me show you why this is so important. This is a graph that shows age versus fitness. Now, where do you think fitness goes as you get older? What, what's the trajectory of the fitness curve here? Down, right? This is what it looks like. Sedentary people, this is, you lose almost by 60. By the way, that's how old I am. I didn't make the graph. I just thought, wow, okay. They could have extended a little further for me. I'd be okay. I don't know why they ended there. So 60, by that time, you lose almost half of your fitness. Now, that doesn't have to be. That's a lifestyle choice. This is what's so amazing. You see, if you decide you're going to stay active, you gain back about half of that. If you're really active, if you, if you really pay attention, you can even regain more. You don't have to suffer the age-related decline if you make choices over time. And so we need to have a plan. We need to put together a plan for eating and exercise. And I wish we could have time to do that individually, but every, see, here's the problem. Everybody has a different need. Everybody's at a different starting point. Everybody's at a different age. And so you're going to need to think about this in bigger terms, and, and we've got to find a way just to encourage you to investigate and begin to develop a plan for eating and exercise that fits your goals. Now, there are a few principles, though, that I want to share with you this morning. And the first one is the power of saying no. The power of not being controlled, of using your freedom to instead of say yes, and I'm going to go eat that second bowl of ice cream, which is, would have been one of my biggest challenges. That's it. I love that ice cream. How do, how do you use no? Let's look at the story of Daniel for a second. You remember Daniel from the Old Testament. Daniel was hauled off. He was, he was enslaved by the Babylonians. He was in service of King Nebuchadnezzar. He was given a new name, and he was taught the Babylonian way, the customs of Babylon, in preparation for the service of the king. And, and when it came to, the, to the fi- one of the final things that they wanted him to do, which was to say, hey, eat like the king, eat like the king, Daniel said, uh-uh, I'm not, not going to do that. Now, why would, he, why would he draw the line there? Well, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things that he understood what we've been saying there's a big connection between the spiritual and the physical. Now, let's see how this plays out. What Daniel does, he says, no. Instead, I want to do this. Test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Anybody want to volunteer for that? <laughs> for the next 10 days, we're just going to eat veggies and drink water. So what Daniel was doing is he was saying no to his flesh. He's saying yeah, you know, I'm in captivity. It'd be great to go with the king's food because it's like wine and, and, and roasted meat and all this good stuff. He said, uh-uh, I'm not going to do that. Now, when he said no, and, and, and we'll, I'm not recommending the diet here, okay? I'm not saying that this is the diet we need. He's just saying no to himself. And when he said no to himself, God shows up and does a miracle. This is a principle that we need to say. When we say no to ourselves, it makes space for God to do amazing things in our lives. This is what happened. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nurtured than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Isn't that amazing? There's power in saying no, using your freedom to say no, and, and leaving space for God to do something miraculous. I think possibly Daniel had this proverb in mind. This was written by Solomon. 
And Solomon writes this. He says, look, when you sit down and eat with a ruler, which is kind of what Daniel would have been doing, observe carefully what is put before you. And then he gives us a bit of a hyperbole. He says, put, to knife, put a knife to your throat if you are given to appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. See, what Daniel understood is he could be captured even further into that culture by adopting that diet. It wasn't the food that was the issue. It was the source of food and the, and the deceptiveness of what they were trying to do to him. And he said no. And that's what happens in our culture today. Our culture wants us to focus on feeding ourselves and overfeeding ourselves. They're trying to capture us and enslave us. And it's killing us, folks. It's killing us. That's what the data says. And so the power of no. We, we, can, we can make space for God to do something when we say no. Where do you need to say no to yourself physically today? Is it the couch issue? Is it, is it a specific food? Maybe it's something you drink too much of. There's power in being able to say no, to use your Christian freedom to say, uh-uh, I'm not going to do that. That's not easy. It's not easy. And I want to point out one other important aspect of the power of no. This is where the power of, to say no comes from. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to, for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Grace, the paying of the ticket, what God has done for us is the thing that trains us to say no, trains us to renounce uh, ungodliness. You don't do it out of the law. You do it out of grace. You go back and say, you know what, I need to say no to something because God loves me, not because he says I have to. And that's the only power. That's the difference between what we're talking about and the world's approach to exercise. It's always, you know, look good for the beach or to fit into some jeans or whatever. And, and we, we as Christians can say, look, even when we look in the mirror and, and, and you say, oh, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds, you know, God say, God's going to say to you, I'm not going to love you any less or more if you gain or lose weight, depending on what your circumstances are. You see? It's grace. He already loves us fully and completely, and he's demonstrated that through Christ. And so that's why the power of no can be possible in the Christian life, because we have a source of it, and that's grace. Second point for our plan, and that is we have to be honest with ourselves. Brutally honest. Because we have a tendency to deceive ourselves when it comes to this area of diet and exercise. I certainly did. I thought I was just fine. How was it that I was able to find out what my circumstances really were? To find out the truth about my health, I had to know my numbers. Shared with you last week, this is what I found out. I found out that I had high cholesterol. It was a problem. It needed to be addressed. My doctor told me the truth. I could have ignored it. But I wanted to be brutally honest with myself and say, you know what? There's something wrong. What am I doing to contribute to that problem? What is my role in, in making sure that I'm honoring God with this body? Am I eating correctly? And I had to do research and study and try to figure out a plan to address that issue. And I did. I've been able to lo lower my cholesterol by about 40 points. But it took that moment of honesty. And so today, are you being honest with yourself about where you are in your health? Do you know your numbers? Have you been to the doctor? Do, do, does he or she have an understanding of where you are physically? 
your cholesterol and, and your weight and all those important health by the numbers issues that we face. We have more technology, more information available. Your doctor probably has those numbers online someplace. Just make sure you know them and you're watching them and you're responding appropriately. Be honest with yourself. Do you have a problem in any of these, with any of these numbers? Proverbs says this, says an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. That's what my doctor did. She, by the way, no, I'm just kidding. She didn't kiss me on the lips, obviously. That would be a problem. But she did give me the truth, and she encouraged me to do something about it. It wasn't easy to hear, but it was the truth, and it was a loving thing to do. Last point, you got to have a plan. Otherwise, it's just a dream. You've got to say, okay, I've got to turn my ability to say no and my understanding of uh, the truth about where I'm at, I've got to turn it into a plan. Proverbs says it this way, the plans of the diligent surely lead to abundance. If you get a plan and work a plan, there could be results. But you've got to spend some time on this. You've got to say, okay, I, I want to do something about this to be healthier. And you've got to get the plan and you've got to get the people around you to help you uh, implement that plan and carry it out. And I know right now the biggest problem that I see in our culture is it's confusing because there's all this misinformation out there. You know, like do this or do this, and they seem to be opposite. And so, so what I want to do is we don't have the time to actually go through plans here this morning, but I want to encourage you so that you can cut through this confusion to go to this website. It's listed on the back of your sermon notes card. There's a series of questions, and simply walk through those questions. Begin that planning process. Next week, as we talk about the team, Pastor Tony's going to do that. The team that you need around you to be able to really make effective changes. We'll have some lists of resources, but it really depends on what you're facing, what your goals are, as to, and where you are in your uh, fitness and health to what your plan will look like. We don't, there's no way to have a prescriptive plan for this, for us to tell you what to do. You need to do the work. You need to go through and ask yourself these difficult questions. Now, the plan doesn't have to be complex. Look at this research. It says walking. Walking. Something as simple as walking. 150 minutes of walking every week extends life by 3.4 years. Your health and fitness could simply change by going for a walk. Pretty easy, huh? Pretty simple. And I was thinking about that, you know, because I'm a pastor and I see all of you every week. I was thinking, well, there are 700 people in our church. And, you know, if we each extend our lives 3.4 years, that's like an extra 2,700 years to, be, you know, to serve Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a pastor. That's why I think, you know. But that's a lot of life, isn't it? For your grandkids, for your great-grandkids, for your family, for your spouse. Tended to wake this this year, of a, or this week, of a man who was 67 years old, and I'm going, no, it, it, no. We don't have to end up that way so young. I wanted you to, uh, to hear a testimony, a witness, of somebody who has made a plan and stuck to it for 19 years. Uh, he's a guy that uh, you may know already, but uh, let's watch this and uh, hear his inspiring story. I think it was 1999 when I started these, the longer walks. I was actually out of town on an assignment for actually about four years. It was awful lonely. <laughs> and so I started uh, reading God's Word more, and I thought, well, you know, why don't I just get up and maybe 
go for a walk in the morning and I decided to do them both together. So I get up at 5.30, I walk about six miles, but listening to God's Word or a podcast, mostly God's Word, and then I uh, pray for the other time, and that's my time to think about what I, uh, what I heard, and I get a chance to go through the Bible two or three times a year that way, so you can become quite familiar with it by that time. The interesting things, uh, when I turned 65, which was about five years ago, uh, I had a physical and uh, the doctor got done and he asked me, what kind of medications do you take? And I told him, well, I really don't take any medication. I take some vitamins. And he looked at me and he said, you know, Sandy, you know the number of patients I have that don't take any medications? And I looked at him and I thought, well, what, 20 maybe? He said, you. And uh, I thought, wow, that that is unusual. So I think that's helped with that, and the, just the blessing of the good Lord. And the strength training at the gym has really helped when I wanna do really hard work. Uh, so that's a real benefit. But um, I, I think the two things spiritually that this has helped is becoming more and more familiar with the Bible. As I said, I used to just listen to the Bible the whole time, not do any prayer time or thinking about it. But since then, I've kind of tried to slow down a little bit figured I don't need to go through it three or four times a year. Maybe a couple is enough times a year to go through the Bible. Uh, but to think about it and then just to be grateful to God. Part of the way I relate, relate to God is through his creation. So for, for me to be out outside uh, is just outstanding. It, it's just brings me closer to God. And the great thing, it's got me closer to some people that I see on a regular basis. Uh, whether they stop me in a snowstorm and say, what are you doing out here at 10 below zero? Or, you know, it's in the summer, or isn't this a beautiful morning that God made? See how simple it could be? And he had the benefit of putting his devotional time together with it. God wants us, he wants us to experience life in the full. But we have choices to make. And I just pray today that you indeed would consider some of those choices. Would you pray with me? Now, Father, thank you for these moments where we can, we can speak truth and look at your word and be challenged. And we pray, Father, that today that happened in our lives. And that, Lord, uh, that we would be all in, that we would give our lives for you, give our bodies for you, that we'd be living sacrifices, sacrifices inspired, Father, to live to live for you in every area of our life, including eating and exercise. Father, we uh, do all of that because of the great love you have for us. You have set us free. We celebrate that freedom today. We want other people to experience that amazing freedom. Strengthen us for that task. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for spending some time in God's Word with us during this message. It was recorded live in worship at Trinity Church in Lyle, Illinois where God is leading us on our mission to look, live, and love more like Jesus. Would you like to know more about a relationship with Christ, or more about Trinity, who we are, what we believe, and where and when you might join us in worship or a growth group? Please visit our website at tlc4u.org. That's the letters T, L, C, the number four, and the letter U, dot org. May God bless you and yours abundantly through Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening.